And welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Animaniacast. I think there's a thumbtack under my fanny. And welcome, everybody, once again to the Animaniacast. This, of course, is the podcast. That's dedicated to what? Well, to the animated television series, Animaniacs, as well as other shows, you know, within the Rugerverse, such as Tiny Toon Adventures, You Got the Pinky in the Brain, and of course, Freakazoid. And today is a Freakazoid-centric episode, because from FanX in Salt Lake City, from September 22nd, of 2022 it's the 50th anniversary special of freakazoid that's right we're bringing you the audio from the panel of the freakazoid 50th anniversary thing i'm I'm blanking on the exact title of it i listen it's a great panel it's amazing this is our our last audio that we're sharing from fan x it was a complete blast uh we had a, a real ball uh, I figured since Paul Rugg had just celebrated his birthday a few days ago uh, from the recording of this episode that I said, hey, you know what, let's put out that Freakazoid one. Uh, this was a lot of fun. We got a lot of compliments afterwards. Probably the highlight for me for this panel was getting to run out into the crowd for a brief moment with the microphone. And uh, Paul did the Freakazoid whooshing sounds for me which was super cool uh so when you get to that part just uh imagine me uh running down the stairs with my hands above my head like freakazoid and then you'll get a a mental picture of exactly what was going on uh hopefully this panel will get a chance to come to you a convention near you because this 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 to me if anything freakazoid this 50th anniversary needs to continue going, uh, at least at least until the actual 50th anniversary, right? Uh, <laughs> so if you are interested in uh, Paul and Tom coming to a convention near, year, near you, number one, you can let me know. You can email animanicast at gmail.com, and we'll see about contacting your convention. But also... Go to your, go to the convention itself. Go to their website, and they always have those little sections where you can request uh, people to come to your con. Well, if you folks out there really want Tom and Paul to come to you, and of course you all do, well, let your convention know. Let them know. Paul Rugg, Tom Ruger, you would really love to see them come to your convention. And who knows? Maybe we can continue to have this uh, show tour We'll get a better tour schedule than even Animaniacs in concert, right? Right. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and get right to the panel audio. Here it is, the Freakazoid 50th Anniversary Special Panel Thing. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Can you hear me back there? Up here we have the fellow who dragged us, uh, no, who invited us to come 
in FedEx. Here's Joey. Joey, our, our guru of <laughs> travel. Here's Paul Rugg, the voice of Freakazoid. We need to start okay, seriously let's, relaxing here. Okay, so let's, let's start Relaxivision once again, Tom. Now, folks, we all have had a little bit of Freakazoid in our lives. Each of us has experienced who Freakazoid is. So I'd like you all now to just get into the mood of Relaxivision. I'd like you to each take a deep breath. Now... I'd like each and every one of you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Wait, no, wait. First, clutch your purse or your or your wallet first. <laughs> we don't know really who's next to you. Now, close your eyes. Take another deep breath. And what we want to do is get in touch with that inner child, that inner child that is you, but the inner child that loved Freakazoid. And I think if you focus on the sound, the dulcet tones of Relaxivision, you will, perhaps in the distant recesses of your mind, hear a voice calling out to you. Keep your eyes closed, but listen for that voice. Low bridge, everybody down. Low bridge, cave guy's underwear is brown, 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 it looks like you made a booby Hi everyone, this is Freakazoid. Thanks for coming to my 50th year anniversary, even though it's only been 25. Who's that? My inner child, Billy. Hello, it's Billy. Billy, I'm here at Fanex. I, I know. I wanted to come, but decided against it. Why, Billy? I don't like things like that. All right, Billy. Well, we're going to talk to the fans now. All right, tell them I'm still very large. Goodbye, Billy. Goodbye. Do you think they understand anything that we're doing? Only if they've seen the show a hundred times, Billy. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye, Billy. And now, if you would, <laughs> open your eyes. And I'd like everyone to... Oh! Sc- Scream. <laughs> and uh, take it, Joey. All right. Sing along, would you? Ladies and gentlemen, can we please welcome Tom Ruger and Paul Rugg here for the Freakazoid 50th anniversary special. 50th anniversary. 50th anniversary. Oh my goodness. Yes, Paul, as you guys may, I hope everybody knows right here, is, of course, the, not only the writer, the producer, but the voice of Freakazoid. And Tom Ruger, well, he helped you know, run the show. He's a producer and, of course, helped create other wonderful shows like Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures, stuff like that. You know, just humble brags. Gentlemen, but this is his favorite show. Of course. Just to make it clear. All right, good. I thought, I thought this was Stephen's favorite show. It is Stephen's favorite show. 
We got a memo. Uh, we'd like to just take you back, uh, if you would, come with us to uh, 1994. It was December. And uh, Steven Spielberg was not only enamored with uh, Animaniacs, but he was also enamored with uh, another show that Warner Brothers was making, the Batman series, Batman the Animated Series. And he said, hey, I want to get a piece of that, too. So he, he grabbed Bruce Timm and Paul Dini, who were working on Batman the Animated Series, and he said, let's do a superhero show, but we'll have it be funny, and, uh, because the Animaniacs were funny. And so let's do a hybrid. And so Paul Dini and Bruce Timm worked assiduously on that, and they came up with Freakazoid. And Stephen liked it, and he said, let's make it funnier. And so Paul... And, and, and Bruce made it funnier. And they said, no, funnier. And, and, and Paul and Bruce said, yeah, okay. And then they went back and they made it even funnier. And, they, and Steve said, no, funny, I mean funny. <laughs> and uh, they said, you're nuts. Um, so uh, Stephen said to Gene McCurdy, hey, I don't think this is working out. We, we need to make this show a real comedy, you know. And so Bruce and Paul thought, well, this isn't really exactly what we were driving at when we were going to make this show. We thought it was going to be a superhero with some comedic elements, but Steven wanted an all-out comedy show with a wild comic superhero. So Gene came over to the Animaniacs team and said, "Uh, this baby's yours. And she plopped the uh, the artwork and some of the written material down on my desk and said, "Uh, uh, get going on this it's December. We're on in nine months. Get going. And uh, so I went over to Paul Rugg and John McCann's offices, and uh, I dragged them kicking and screaming uh, into this show. Yes. Questions? <laughs> okay, good. Yes, you did, Tom. Uh, and we, John McCann and I, the last thing we wanted to write was a superhero show because we're like, nope, don't want to do that. Uh, and Tom said, I think it's in your contract that you have to do what we tell you to do. <laughs> uh, and, we're, and we checked it out, and sure enough, it was true. Uh, so we decided to make a superhero show that had nothing to do with superheroes. And that's kind of how Freakazoid was born. In fact, when we were first developing it, so that was, that was Christmas of 94, I think? Christmas yes. Christmas of ni- 94. Yes. And Tom gave us an assignment over the Christmas holiday because he's a taskmaster and... Uh, my wife still re- resents that oh, uh, that's that she missed. But she, anyway. she absolutely uh, hates me. So uh, <laughs> uh, we, he said, look, think about Freakazoid. What is Freakazoid going to be? And I remember John McCann and I were like, all right, superhero, Freakazoid. So how does he become Freakazoid? How does Dex become Freakazoid? And we, like, we spent three weeks being like, well, maybe it's the gr- gr- garage door remote. And when he presses it, he becomes Freakazoid. And, and we went into Tom's office and said, Tom, we think we figured it out. We think it's a garage door remote that turns him into Freakazoid. And Tom says, I don't care. Uh, I really could care less. We're supposed to be on in like four days. Um, which yeah, was, yeah. We, we need scripts. We don't care how, how it happens. Yeah. I, I uh, spent, uh, I remember it was pouring rain. It was one of the last huge deluge rainstorms in Los Angeles history. It was January 95, and I stayed home. It was three days, and I wrote anything that had to do with a superhero in it that was stupid or silly or funny, and I wrote 80 pages of things that were like, a minute long, two minutes long. The, the longest thing in the whole batch was Handman, right? And, uh, and other things were like... Uh, Handman! 
And uh, I wrote the, the Leonard Nimoy, Leonard Nimoy, oh my golly, oh boy, you know, uh, fanboy. You know, I wrote these little pieces and I sent them to Mr. Spielberg. And it was 80 pages of like superhero comedy confetti. It was just like. And he said, oh, oh, oh this is, this is uh, interesting. And he said, it's, it's funny, it's good, but what, what is the show? What's the story? And uh, so then we had to wait for John and Paul to come up with actual some stories. Yeah, we did. So because we, so this show was supposed to already be, it was already supposed to be being written. And this was now, now we're getting to the end of January. You need so much lead time. And we're premiering with the Kids WB and like everyone's saying Steven Spielberg's next show, Freakazoid. And we're like, we don't got anything. We got nothing. Um, We're scared. Uh, But it turns out, uh, that was free because that was very freeing because nobody cared. It was like, we don't care what it is, but it needs to be filmed and something needs to be on our desk very soon. So we just started writing things that made us laugh. And, and the next thing you know, Stephen was like, this is really stupid. This is the dumbest thing. I think I'm enjoying this. And um, so we just started and, and writing And since there was yet. no time, they really didn't, couldn't afford to throw it out. No, 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 no. We That's had to, the beauty yeah. of being yeah. really under a yeah. brutal deadline. And because we were so behind, and Stephen was like, I kind of like this. Evan was like, I guess he likes this. Let's just not change this. And so that was also very good. So the next seven months were glorious fun because no one cared. Um, right. I mean, and, we, we did commercial. We didn't have any footage until like August no. 20th, like... like a week or two before we went on the air. And so we showed over the summer, we showed these commercials that were like a cruise line commercial. It was like, we're out here having a gentle time on the cruise and we don't have any footage to show you from Freakazoid. We don't know what we're going to do. Freakazoid this fall. Um, so, uh, and now, everyone, everyone thought that was brilliant, but it was, it was honestly just truth. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so, then we had a script. We had a couple scripts. We had uh, Dance of Doom, and I think we might have had uh, uh, the thing that had that guy's name that we can't repeat, or he'll come and kill us and take us away. So I won't mention his name. It begins with a, it's like, a, you know, a stick of that. I can say it because it's all fake, so I can just say it anyway. It's Candle Jack. That's all. <gasps> Scream. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. We we sent out sides for the auditions for Freakazoid, and we said, this is a zany superhero. He's crazy. He's nuts. You know, it's like the theme song. Uh, he's a lunatic. Um, and so, Paul, I, I would like Paul, if he would, to do uh, just a sampling of the auditions that we received from outside sources, from actors that came in to do uh, Freakazoid auditions, if you would. Oh, boy. Everything was like Jim Carrey on acid. And we kept saying, it's a little bit, we don't, I don't think it's that. And they'd go, bigger? And we go, no, I don't. And they go, yeah! Uh, anyway, there was like three weeks of that, and we go, we are in deep doo-doo. Um, because we, and also, we didn't know what to tell people. We'd be like, they're like, is this what it is? And we go, I, we, we don't really know. Uh, maybe, maybe that's it, and we'll never work again. We don't know. Um, so, uh, but we were scared at that point. It's like, oh, we've read, we've written a show that nobody understands. Yeah, right. We understood it though. Right. Uh, we thought we did. So Tom said, "Oh, 
uh, and then Stephen was like, where's, where's the cast? Where's, where's the people that are in the show that we're supposedly making? And so uh, Tom said, Paul, why don't you get in the booth and kind of give an example of, since you wrote, uh, I think it was the, the candle jack, go but scream up, oh, the candle dance jack of, thing. Dance of Doom. All right. So, we, so I, I went in and it was Dance of Doom as well. No, it was Dance of Doom. And I went in there, and John McCann, I don't know if you guys know John McCann, he's a brilliant writer, uh, and he wrote a really brilliant script. And I went in there, and Tom started saying, go off, be, be weird, do silly things. And um, I was like, Basically, we, we recorded the entire script, and it was great, but he was not going, yeah. he, was, he was kind of being Paul, and then having moments of... And then a little Jerry Lewis for, yeah. for fun... And, um, so then we, we finished doing the whole script. I said, now, Paul, I, let's go back to different sections where you go off script. And, and, and we didn't give him. He, he just played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where um, this comes from. This is all improvised, every piece of this. Low bridge, everybody down. Low bridge, cave guy's underwear is brown, brown. It looks like he's got the cooties, ooties. Goodbye. Stop the singing now. End the singing song. Stop, go. Enough with the song. Stop. Bring it down. Calm down. Stop. Everybody's go with me. On this side of the room. Everybody down. Yeah. All right, so uh, we had, we, and Steve, uh, Stephen heard this. We played this for him, and he liked the voice, and Paul Rugg became Freakazoid. I did. I did. Now, and, yeah, yes. and that was kind of horrifying because I didn't have time to do that. I, I had to write a bunch of these, so that was kind of interesting. That was fun, though, but, but it was fun. And um, then we just started like we would have a we would we had a very well usually really well written scripts but we would go off from time to time and so this is episode number one that is really we go off and then there was parts of, of you know, Candle Jack like again I'm gonna say, say this is all improvised too and, and I don't know why experience it is working on today's show because I walked onto the set today and everyone looked at me and said we're gonna have fun 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 and then Joey Leahy came the announcer tell me he's not great tell me he's not great. Go ahead, tell me. You can't, right? You can't. And then you've got Eddie Asner, a bear of a man, a huggable guy. I kiss him. And Kenny Mars, funny? I think so. And these kids, have you ever in your life been filled with more joy being around kids, whether they're, you know, religious, experiential or not? I love them. All of them. We'll hug after the show. Anyway, I just, I needed to say that. All right, I, I just want to uh, jump around a little bit. We've got to go back to that, Paul. But uh, six months later, when we got footage back on Dance of Doom, uh, we had a phone call with Stephen. He said, hmm. uh, I'll, 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 we have a transcript here. Yeah, oh, you have a transcript. Good. The, the dance the, the, this is Stephen. The Dance of Doom is good, except uh, Freakazoid is a little bit... Uh, we talked about the voice recording. Uh, uh, and I, wrote, I said, yes... Oh, it was a bit too over the top. Oh, exactly. We're, you know, we're trying to get you know, that sort of Jerry Lewis thing. Maybe trim some of that. Uh, yeah, it was a little yelly. Uh, 
well, oh, where he just can't stop, he keeps going with the under, you know. Yeah, uh, we could do a trim on that. Well, now we were going to be on in two weeks, and we had, we had 22 minutes to fill, and we had like 15 minutes of footage. <laughs> so to say that we trimmed a Dance of Doom would be false. We did not trim anything. We had, in other words, Stephen may have wanted us to trim, but we, we were desperate. Uh, but if he ever asks you, we trimmed it. <laughs> Uh-oh. Because he's very popular. He's very powerful. And we pretend we did what he said. Uh, anyway. Uh, yes. And if you're filming this, I love you, Stephen. <laughs> okay. talk. Let's talk. Let's yeah. talk. Um, so hmm? let's talk about uh, some of the other cast members that you uh, got involved in the show. Oh, so we had so so because we were just kind of playing this by ear, and by the way, having a ton of fun. I mean, honestly, it would be like we were just like every day giggling and laughing and going, "This is really stupid. Let's go further, whatever." And we knew Stephen was in, into it. So, from that point of view, I've never been on a job ever since, and I've worked Disney and all those other things where we had more fun and more freedom. So. Um, one day in, in Dance of Doom, John McCann wrote this sort of uh, sergeant. And Andrea Romano said, I can get Ed Asner. And we're like, oh, you can get Ed Asner. Great. So Ed Asner comes in, and uh, he's asking us what we, wanna, what, what we want the character to, to be. And we're thinking about it. And as, as we're sitting in the studio, so he's in the studio. We're sort of in the, in the audio room. And he's just reading the lines from the script going, Hey, Freakazoid, Freakazoid, what, do you want to go out for a mint? Freakazoid, you want to go to the Honey Harvest Festival in Acton? And we're like, and he's just, he's not acting. And we go, that's what we want. <laughs> and he goes, the not acting part? And we go, that's what we want. He goes, it's your money. <laughs> so from that point on, it was, it was Ed Asner literally coming in and not acting. Uh, and we had him, and then we had um, uh, uh, Ricardo Montalban. Uh, Ricardo Montalban, uh, so here's a funny story about that. Ricardo Montalban was going through a major, or he had major uh, injury in his leg. And uh, he had an injury with a horse years before, and it started to get really bad, and he was in constant pain. And there's nothing they could do for him. And he went to his doctor, and his doctor said, I'm, I'm sorry, there's nothing we could, could do. And he goes, you got to do something to get your mind off of it. And he goes, well, do you have anything coming up? He goes, I don't know, I've got this thing called Freakazoid, but I'm not going to do it. It's an animated thing. And the doctor says, I think you should do it. Um, and he goes, okay. So he went in, and working with Ricardo Montalban, so as opposed to Ed Asner, who wasn't acting, Ricardo Montalban would go, so tell me something. In this character, you need him to be evil but funny, yes? And they're like, yeah, evil but funny. And then I would be like, yeah. And, he, and I would start, and i go, you know, like, he goes, I understand now. Be quiet. <laughs> I understand the joke. Uh, and he did. And then he would come in and he goes, I'm going to do it a little differently this time from our irony in there. Uh, so anyway, he was amazing. Ed Asner, David Warner, God bless him. We just lost David Warner, but uh, David Warner was the lobe. Um, and they just really loved to come and play. So David Warner, I, for some reason, I had it in my head that, um, that kids really wanted to see a four and a half minute parody of Hello, Dolly. Um, <laughs> It turns out they don't. But 
uh, we did it anyway because we didn't care. And uh, David Warner had to play the uh, the Barbara Streisand role, and and I wrote this shot for shot parody of the Hello Dolly where she comes down and stuff. And I said, David, you have to sing it. He goes, Oh God, no. Oh no, I can't. And I go, David, I think you can. Anyway, this is this is a little bit of David Warner, of a Shakespearean actor singing the stupidest lines ever. I shouldn't show my face, so years in seclusion I've spent. But now I realize it's okay to show my face. If anyone squeals, I'll entomb them in cement. And excellent. This goes on for five minutes. But, uh, yeah, so so he he was amazing. He loved to play. He loved to come in. He loved to do all this. Um, and then we had Tim, Tim Curry, um, who was um, uh, Dr. Mystico. And he was another guy that just came in. And so in one session, we had David Warner, Tim Curry, Ed Asner, R- Ricardo, uh, uh, Leonard Moulton, <laughs> for some unknown reason, uh, Jonathan Harris and Jonathan Harris came to a second season. Um, John John McCann and I were big fans of uh, Lost in Space, and so when we f- when we found out that Jonathan Harris was available, we thought, well, he could replace Ingmar the mute butler. Um, so we wrote Stop this. Please take me home at once. You hear? I'm frightened. Ah, come on, Jonesy, just enjoy it. The man could scream like nobody's business. Uh, anyway, he, he started having a great time. Jonathan loved the show, and he would come in, and, and he would ask us how it's going, and we would say, well, Warner Brothers is giving us some hard times, and he would say, never, 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 never forget this, Paulie. We are the artists. They are the jerks. And so, um, yeah, Very there nice. you go. Very good. That was our, that was our cast, a lot of them. Uh, along with Tress McNeil and uh, Jess Harnell and Rob Paulson and uh, Corey Burton, who does the most amazing uh, Vincent Price in, as Dr. Uh, Invisible. And John McCann as Mr. Douglas. Uh, uh, yeah. So we had, we had a bunch of fun people. And Tippy Hedren? Oh, the movie's rated PG-13. Oh, and Jack might have some material in there that Mommy and Daddy might not like uh, some of the young kids to see, so Jody might just have to stay home. Bye-bye, Jody. Now, if the movie's rated R, then it's going to contain some adult material, in which case a dad who's got a lazy tummy will probably want to stay home. But if the movie's rated NC-17, that means that kids can't get in. Only adults can get in. Mom doesn't want to see adult movies, but Grandpa was in the Army, and he's not bothered very much, and so he decides to stay along with Sergeant Scruffy, who's just a dumb dog anyway. Okay, so let me explain this. I was writing a script, and I thought it would be fun at the very beginning to have Jack Valenti introduce it. It was our, it was our pilot episode that aired five episodes in. Don't ask. Just don't even worry about it. It was... It was Freakazoid's origin story, and I thought, wouldn't it be funny to have Jack Villain, who was president of the Motion Picture Association, he was a very big guy, and I thought, well, let's just have him do a little thing. So anyway, I wrote it, we sent it off to Stephen, and Stephen said, nah. Stephen wrote back, you know, Jack's a friend of mine, I bet we could get him. And, and we're like, what? Okay. And so 
And he goes, but if Jack's going to come in, he's a busy guy, you should write more stuff for him. He goes, why don't you do the motion picture rating system? And I'm like, well, okay, hello, Dolly, Jack Valenny, rating system. Kids love it. Um, and so I wrote this whole thing and even wrote, and I was just making myself laugh, and I go, hello, I'm Jack Valenny, and these are my cheeks, because he had very big, big cheeks. And then when it came time to record it, I was like sitting there in the booth like this, and then when it came to, hello, I'm Jack Valenny, and then he starts reading, and these are my cheeks. I go, oh no, I left that in. Yeah. <laughs> oh crap, I left that in. Uh, but he didn't, he didn't care. Um, and that's kind of a freakazoid one. Nobody cared, and um, they just did things for Stephen, and we made a show, and it was fun. This is a, a note that Stephen sent uh, to uh, the freakazoid gang. Uh, I'm real proud of the chances you guys are taking in the stories and situations of freakazoid. Congratulations. congratulations it, it sounds like he's drinking. Congratulations. It is my favorite show on television. Well, it's a tie with ER. Uh, <laughs> And then uh, one of the scripts, so Stephen, uh, I forget what movie he was making, but he would go off and make a movie and, you know. We he was would, making um, Schindler's List, I think. Oh, that was done by the, well, I don't know. Oh, and, he, yeah. He was making a movie. And, Save uh, a Prime Ryan. Maybe. Oh, okay. So he. Comedies. Uh, he, yeah. <laughs> so he, uh, he would miss sometimes the scripts, sometimes the storyboards and. So at this point, uh, we're deep into this first season of footage. And uh, so in January, he writes us this. Uh, and he ha- clearly has not, not seen any of the latest material we've been doing. He said, Dear Tom, imagine my surprise. <laughs> when I popped in Freakazoid, next time call ahead and got to watch Dexter Douglas as Elliot and, and Moron as E.T. Now complicate that thought with my further surprise to see me ankling a story meeting with you and Paul and Jean et al. in, wouldn't you know, the Amblin conference room, perfectly rendered. Uh, Stephen's note ends. Anyway, I love the chances you're taking with the show, and furthermore, it gives me a little more insight into your commercial career dementia. <laughs> I love it. All the best, Stephen. Anyway. <laughs> So he, uh, even though he knew it was crazy, he, he did give it a lot of support. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, and and the, uh, a lot came with that, which was you don't mess with Stephen's guys. Like when we were doing, like we could get away with anything. Clearly having Jack Valenny five-minute Hello Dolly numbers, at, we could pretty much get away with anything. So, yeah. So, uh, Do you have questions? Okay. Wait, you have to wait so he can get the microphone. I'll here. come to Even you. Even though I'm right here, they might want to know. Thank you. Uh, I'm just wondering, are you going to do a reboot, a reboot of Precursor like they did for Animaniacs on Hulu? Uh, we would love to. We would love to, but no one's asked. Well, actually, like a two... They, Oh, you did. You did. You did. However, however, I don't think you have $10 million unless I don't know something. Wait, wait. But if you do, I, we will make it we'll for go. you right now. I have a drawing pad. Tom produces. Two people are over here that are related to us. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll go in. Uh, no, we, we would... 
Yeah, we would love to. Um, there, there was talk um, about uh, rebooting it for a little bit. Um, but here's, here, if I can just be totally honest, they don't understand it. They didn't understand it then. And they don't really understand it now. And uh, it could be a disaster. Uh, however, having said that, $10 million, we'll give it a good shot. The thing, the atmosphere back then, uh, you know, this is, what, 27 years, 50 years. Uh, it, it, was, it was pretty loose. It was not, uh, right now, I, I get the impression animation, uh, as Paul has said, it's sort of the top down. There's the executives, and they're telling everybody down there, make a show like this and do it that way, and we want it this, and we want exactly this, and it's for a certain niche, and we want... While our shows, uh, when we were making them back then, we could actually... Uh, make the show the way we wanted to, and nobody really said no. And uh, what a beautiful, creative experience that was. I mean, uh, we are now aware, 30 years later, how fortunate and how wonderful the situation was. We, it, it's thanks to Gene McCurdy and, and the entire team at Warner Brothers where they really did say, go make the funniest stuff you can make, and you know, we won't have any qualms about that. Yeah. However, the WB hated the show. Just so you know. They did. They were like, poo-poo. Yeah. They, poo-poo. They, about poo-poo. halfway through the second season, they said, uh, big kids go first. And they took uh, Freakazoid, which was on like at 10.30 in the, in the morning, and they moved it to like 7 a.m. And big kids uh, may go first, but they weren't waking up first. Yeah. However, we did, we did find out, and I think John McCann wrote this in a script, that we were very popular in a number of state institutions. <laughs> so John was like, let's, let's lead with that. Yes. So yeah, which, we were, it was which that line made its way to the show. Yes, it, it did. In, the, in their Comic-Con episode. It did. Because we did, John McCann and I did a panel about 27 years ago, like Freakazoid had just come out, and literally there were three people sitting there, and they, they didn't want to talk about Freakazoid, they wanted to talk about Superman. Yes. And we're like, don't know much about Superman, but we'll go along with this for a while. Yeah. Turns out we didn't know anything. We have a question. Yeah. We're getting, just a moment. What? Try it down. Testing? Yeah. Test. All right. What? So, <laughs> sorry, I'm hard of hearing, and that's offensive okay. to me. Uh, <laughs> You're in the wrong panel, buddy. I, I can take it. Uh, so this is, this is a, actually kind of a follow-up to the reboot question. Yeah. Um, so in the years since Freakazoid, the superhero genre has blown up, to say the least, and has no shortage of satires. So what would you do if Freakazoid were to come back now, and what kind of place do you think he could have in the modern pantheon of superheroes? I don't know. You know, Well, Tom, if you want to... Uh, I think, you know, every, everyone says Deadpool is very Freakazoid-y and, and, and that sort of thing. I don't know. You know, Freakazoid was, was not so much about superheroes. It was about, it was about storytelling in a weird way, right? So... Um, we knew that the end, Freakazoid had to battle somebody, but it did, we didn't even have to see the battle, right? So it was like, who cared? Um, and, and, and that sort of, so I think, I don't, I don't, boy, what's your question? <laughs> I, I, I guess all Tom? I'm saying is if you were to launch some kind of Freakazoid cinematic universe and gave Fanboy a solo movie, I would be there several times. All right. So just throwing you that out there. Get with him, $10 yeah. million. Dollars. Yeah, that- it's just gone up to 12. 
I think. All right. I, on this side, yes. I, I was impressed with just all these weird, tiny little details that nothing seemed too small or insignificant. That I was watching an episode where it's like he's sitting on the couch, and I saw the cover of a record album. And I had to pause it. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I recognize that. It's like this woman in a white dress, and it's the Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass <laughs> album that we had when I was a kid. I'm like, I can't believe they threw that in there for no particular reason. But I thought it was hilarious. Was that the one with the whipped cream? Yeah. 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 Whipped cream and other delights was the yeah. title. Yeah. Uh, well, our guys, you know, anything that's got a pretty woman in it, they, the artists were very happy to draw that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the artist, uh, Mitch Schauer uh, produced the first season, and he, in the first episode, he put in a, a weird-looking character named Emmett Nervend, and I don't know if you remember this guy, but he's a really geeky, weird guy. He had a big smile, and he just looked like a frazzled character, and he would put this character in every episode, so at the end of the show, we'd always say, find three Emmett Nervends in the show, or find two, or find seven, and... Uh, Fun character, but he never spoke. But, you know, the other thing is we liked to put stuff in that made us laugh, like little details that, that we didn't think anyone would ever know. So, yeah, that was, we had great fun doing that. Fangirl. Thank you. Yay, fangirl. Because I'll always be your fangirl. Oh, beautiful. Um, I was curious, where do you guys think Dexter would be these days? Where is Dexter today? Uh, you know, Dexter Douglas. Is, he'd he's probably be helping at SpaceX, I believe. Uh, <laughs> I mean, right? Well, the real, the character Dexter. He's very, he's very good uh, yeah. technically. Yeah. Uh, but, but he would. I don't or, know or the, an insurance institution of some sort. I think. Or an institution for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, <laughs> that's right. uh, yeah. By the way, there's one, there's one scene where his mom come, comes over and says. Um, what oh, is that's very sad. She, she says, well, what are you doing, Dash? She goes, I'm computing my actuary tables. Da, 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 I'm on my, my computer. And she goes, that's very, very sad. And um, <laughs> we ADR'd that because in her mouth, she's smiling the whole time. So we brought Tress back in, and we said, what does it sound like if you're smiling? And it sounds, that's very, very sad. <laughs> and we laughed at that for like an hour. <laughs> And we're like, let's put that in. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how Freakazoid came together. So. But I don't, I don't know if Dexter could get security clearance at hardly any uh, high-level position yeah. because the, he um, would turn into Freakazoid, right? Right, right, right. That would right. be a problem. Right. Yeah. yeah. Plus, in the second season, we didn't know what to do with, Freak- with Dexter, so we just sort of were like, well, let's not write him in this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dex- Dexter's family was still in the yeah, show. Yeah, Dexter's family was, was in it. Dexter yeah, 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 yeah. And that, that, that was because we were like, oh, man, that means we've got to turn him into that, into that, into that. Oh, that's so complicated. Uh, let's just not worry about it. And, yes, uh, Free Gazette, Steph would have turned into Free Gazette had we had a season three. Yeah. Uh, were, if I were, ruin someone's question, I'm there sorry. There were plans. <laughs> also, uh, regarding your Twitter from maybe a week or so ago, where's the snow cones? Oh, did we say we were going to have snow cones? We, we do have moist towelettes. <laughs> we do. Uh, by the way, our booth uh, is by uh, the Hive uh, snack bar. Let me find it. Here it so, is. Uh, oh, there it is. There. So we do have moist towelettes, and we, if, we, if, if I can find some coupons for snow cones, I'll make we'll that happen. We'll get them, too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I was going to ask about Emmett Nervin, but you covered that already. So I was wondering, what, what's the story behind Toby Danger? Because I was wondering. No. Fabulous. Well, uh, Tom Minton had, uh, he was a real uh, 
Johnny Quest fan. Mm-hmm. He had written Toby Danger uh, as a development, I believe. And we all read it and thought it was hilarious. And as you recall, in our previous uh, few minutes ago, we were saying how far behind we were in the production. And there was this Toby Danger script sitting around, and we said, well, we could use this. This is really good. And it has absolutely nothing to do with our show. So perfect. Because <laughs> uh, Freakazoid is, uh, if nothing else, a lot of uh, non sequiturs. Uh, so... Um, Toby Danger, I, what a, I, you know, what a beautiful parody uh, of Johnny Quest, and uh, and I love that it was set in Las Vegas, and and yeah, and we brought all the old HP uh, Hanna Barbera, we brought Don Messican, right, to to play uh, Doctor Danger, yes, yeah. uh, the, the father, yeah. and I love the line, uh, let me throw a barrel at it, you know, it was like race band, and he would, uh, anyway, yeah, we loved Toby Danger. Hello, uh, huge fan. Um, I um I just recently heard about this and I, I watched it. Um, you guys recently did a crossover with uh, Teen Titans Go. I did, yes. And um, it was it was really funny and everything. I was just curious, like how did how did the crossover happen exactly? Because it was like it's like like it was a long while after the show ended, and like I understand, I understand like how they got the rights because they're both Warner Bros. own yeah. media, right? Uh, it's my it's my understanding that there are a lot of uh, subversive Freakazoid fans that still exist at Warner Brothers, but they won't admit it. Um, and that there was one script left, and the guy who does um, Teen Titans Go uh, reached out to me and said, oh, would, would I do the voice? And I was like, I mean, are you going to pay me? Or is it... Uh? Or is it, and I said yes, and and he wrote it, and it it basically in my reading, it's kind of a love letter to Freakazoid. Like he even has this whole thing at the end where it's like comedies about doesn't make oh, it, it was this whole thing, and I'm like, you know, yeah, we'll do it. Um, they actually got David Warner to to come in and do the Lobe. They got Ed Asner to do that, and uh, and uh, Joe Leahy, our announcer, who I forgot to mention, who was like the glue of the show. Um, he came in. So I think it was just that they said, can I do it? And it's like, that's how it happened. So, yeah, it was great. It was great. I wanted to ask, what's it like working with Tress McNeil from both sides of the voice booth? Did you get that one? Well, uh, yeah, I've I've worked with Tress uh, not only on Freakazoid, but uh, with Tiny Toons and Animaniacs. And uh, I think if you all remember... Tiny Toons, Tress was amazing as Babs Bunny because Babs did share and she did, uh, you know, every impression you can imagine. Uh, she did impressions that no one else did. And, uh, I mean, she did male and female impressions. So uh, we realized here's this, one of the greatest talents of all time. I mean, she's, you know, uh, Mel Blanc of his era... You know the very best. She's she may be the best uh, uh, voice artist uh, working today, um, and you know she does Simpson. She does everything. Everybody wants Tress on their show because she not only um, uh, kills you know as Dot as as Babs, but she she she'll throw some improv at you. Just I mean the the Prince joke, the joke about Prince. You know <laughs> it's. Tress's fault <laughs> because 
We wrote the line, and it didn't have, and you know, uh, it says, you know, search for fingerprints, and she finds the, the artist, formerly known as Prince, and, and she says, I, I found Prince. And Yakko goes, no, fingerprints. And Tress didn't have a line. So right there, you're okay. But she, but, but Tress threw in the line. She looks at, she looks at the guy and she says, I don't think so. And that we left that in, and that was not scripted, and it shouldn't have been left in, but it did, and it, it made it on the air, and now it's like the most scandalous thing in children's television that ever happened. Uh, so Tress, uh, but Tress was, uh, she did uh, a show called Hysteria, and I just remember one improv line she had that was so, so funny. She was being interviewed uh, by Jim Wickline, who played uh, Mr. Straight Man, and Tress was the world's oldest woman, and she was talking about tyrants, and just out of nowhere, and all the different tyrants through history, and she said, uh, Adolf Hitler, not a morning person. <laughs> anyway, she's very funny. That's, she's brilliant. So, speaking of family-friendly comedy, good transition. Uh, big, big fan, obviously, uh, Tom and, uh, what's your name? Tanner, <laughs> Tanner Gilman from Studio C, everyone. Hello, Tanner. I, oh, my goodness. I, um, so, hey, yeah. Studio C, let's hear for you briefly. Tanner. So, you've all, you've all briefly touched on the other projects that you've worked on, you know, how Freakazoid influenced that. I'm aware that one of you worked on the smash hit comedy show Studio C for a short while and made, <laughs> made Utah your, uh, your home, for yes. lack of a much better word. I'm curious, what did Freakazoid and your experience with WB and Animaniacs contribute to those later projects, whether that be Studio C or you know, just anything you guys uh, want to talk uh, about? Uh, really. That's a very good question. I'll tell you, it ruined me. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. I went from Freakazoid, then, uh, and it was like, oh, what do you want to do today, Paul? Oh, uh, uh, this thing. Oh, yeah, go ahead, right? Uh, Then you go to Disney, and it's like, here's what we'd like you to do today. And you go, I don't want to do that. And they go, well, that's what we're doing. And you go, oh, that stinks. Well, and then you go to DreamWorks, and so meaning... Uh, now, when you, like back then, uh, back then when we had an outline for a free, free episode, I would literally go into Tom or even Animaniacs, and we're going to talk about that on Saturday. You should all come back for sat- Saturday. But we, we would go in and say, Tom, in this one, the, uh, the Animaniacs, uh, Dot, they're going to go against um, Beethoven. And he'd go, yeah, great. <laughs> and he'd go, you have a week. And we go, okay, great, bye. And we go off a week. That would be that would be the entire. That would be the pitch process that's, that's of the story whatever. meeting. Yeah. yeah. Or um, I'm going to do a parody of the Crawling Eye uh, in Freakazoid. Uh, what's the Crawling Eye? You know, it's that movie we all watch as kids. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, goodbye. Do it. Um, that is a world long since gone. Now it's like great. What is that again? I want to do a parody of this. Great, great, great. Here's what we'd like. We would like three sentences based on that idea. You know, what do you mean? You know, three sentences that we can then send to Phil and, and, and May and Mavis, and we'll send it to them. And, and so you write three sentences, and they send it, and then they come back and they go, I don't know, I don't want to write. Uh, and then maybe one of them says, all right, well, what would it be? And then you write a longer version of that, which is maybe a paragraph. 
and then you go and you write the paragraph and then they go, but, 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 and then they go, great, good, good, good. So now we'd like an outline. And then you expand that into three, four pages. Uh, in other words, it sucks the living life out of creativity. Always, 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 always. Because you're, if you're going to write it, just write it. Blah, 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 blah. But then when you write this thing about what you're going to write, kind of maybe going to write something like this, um, that is the industry today. That is industry. Even a ske- sketch comedy. You've got to just write a sketch. You can't tell them what you're going to You just write it, right? So it's like, so it destroyed me from that point of view to know how it can, how fun it can pos- possibly be. Uh, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but... Uh, but, but well, Yeah, I mean, but, they're, yeah. They're currently, uh, from what I understand, since no one's inviting me into these things, that uh, uh, there are a lot of writer rooms, and there, there may be like seven writers in a room doing uh, for a comedy show, and they're just like spitballing and, and, and creating a, a, a script, a comedy script. Uh, these seven people are making it happen. Well, I think every one of the scripts that we did for... Freakazoid and Animax, it was ultimately it was one person sitting in a room writing the thing and put it imbuing it with all the sense of humor that person had, and uh, that's how we did it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Tanner, to answer your question, I hate myself. <laughs> no, I don't. No, 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 no. Warner Brothers. Uh, I, I, have a, I have a feeling though the pendulum's here. Like everyone's like all in your business, but I have a feeling that as people are like, oh, man, why does everything seem so samey and blah, 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 that the pendulum will swing back and there'll be more creative freedom. I mean, you know, look, uh, Adult Swim, there's a lot of freedom there with some crazy stuff. Um, So anyway, yeah, yeah. Thank you. We we have another uh, panel on uh, Saturday Saturday Saturday. at 1 p.m., and uh, it's for Animaniacs. Jeff uh, Harnell is threatening to come. We're trying to stop him, but he might come anyway. (laughs) Uh, so we'd love to see you there and, and we again uh, uh, why are we here? we're here to visit with you but mostly sell you things <laughs> so stop by the booth thanks yeah, stop by the booth bye everybody stop by the booth. thank you well that'll do it for today's episode so if you want to get in contact with the Animaniacast, we're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and some other stuff. Uh, co-hosts Nathan and Kelly will be back. Yes, they'll be back next episode. So make sure to follow them on Twitter. Kelly is Yoda Princess, Y-O-D-A-P-R-N-C-S-S. And Nathan is Django F-T. That's him. I'll be happy to have them back. I know you guys will be too. But for right now... This is just Joey saying, Good night, everybody. This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures, Freakazoid, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast unless otherwise indicated. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to visit with the kids. I know they enjoyed it. (laughs) Thanks. Scream. Ah! Knock it off.